G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. But a special welcome back to 2020 to you, uh, Ashley Saunders. Good, thanks, Neil. It's good to be with you and with your listeners. Uh, Two or three things we'll want to talk about today, but let's start with uh, Australia's most senior Catholic leaders. Uh, They are addressing uh, the Church's catastrophic failure to protect children And they're going to be tested when all five of them, this is the interesting and impressive thing, I think, uh, all five metropolitan archbishops uh, answering the Child Sex Abuse Royal Commission today. Ashley, you've been following through the details on that. How significant is it that uh, that these church leaders are there and they're fronting this commission? I'm sure there's lots of embarrassing things from the history, but uh, but they are, in fact, trying to address those uh, dreadful things of the past. Uh, Yes, they are. And um, uh, as I've been uh, going around in my role as National Director of Family Voice Australia, one of the things that uh, I guess critics of Christians tend to raise is uh, what you've described and what the archbishops have described as the catastrophic failure. And uh, I I think uh, it is very important for the witness of the church, whether Catholic, Protestant or otherwise, in Australia, for there to be a genuine facing of these issues and uh, genuine repentance, genuinely dealing uh, with uh, with the, the, the wrongs of the past and ensuring that uh, Jesus is not further embarrassed by what happens in the future. I think if we are reflecting on the seriousness and the significance of the history, as I understand it, and this is... I think just the Catholic Church, and there'd be other churches that would be involved uh, with their own numbers as well, but more than 4,000 victims in the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has uh, paid uh, millions in compensation to victims, and this is a long, long process uh, and covering a period somewhere in the vicinity of 50 years. How, How seriously is the healing potential of having gone through this very painful process for the Church, Ashley, do you think? I think there's enormous potential. It's probably worth mentioning that the bishops who are attending or the archbishops who are attending today are all of the mainland archbishops. And so uh, Father Porteous from Hobart has not been called to uh, to attend that uh, that meeting, but it does contain the archbishops of metropolitan mainland Australia. And uh, I think I heard on uh, a report recently from the Commission that... Um, over 30% of the Commission's total time has been taken up by dealing with complaints um, that are centred on the diocese of those archbishops who will be attending today. There really does need to be significant uh, healing uh, for the witness of the Church in Australia. It's interesting and why it becomes very difficult to deal with and people do want to vent their frustration, their anger against the church uh, is that the current leadership, those archbishops, uh, were probably uh, not the ones who were presiding over most of the serious uh, dreadful things that have happened in the past. I note though that uh, Archbishop Fisher says, uh, I feel ashamed and contaminated 
that, those sorts of words uh, are very significant words because they demonstrate uh, something of a heart that is uh, remorseful to those things that have happened in the past. How how important is it, do you think, Ashley, that uh, that we see church leaders uh, really showing remorse for those things that have happened? Oh, it's extremely important. And... Um uh, and to use words like ashamed and contaminated, uh, I, I agree with you. It goes to the depth of, of Archbishop Fisher's personal feeling of uh, responsibility. And uh, all people who have been in positions of church leadership uh, over the last uh, several decades, uh, maybe even longer, uh, really need to um, ask themselves those same questions and need to express uh, those same views um, we need to we need to really get uh, we, we we need to deal with these issues um, as a Christian community in Australia. Uh, it's uh, I think I used the expression before the embarrassment of Jesus. Um, it also impacts the witness of the church and the credibility of our message. I often think that sometimes when thinking of uh, the sexual abuse that has happened within the church. Uh, that it may be a reflection of what has happened more broadly throughout the entire community, uh, but also at the same time uh, not wanting to uh, reel back from the responsibility that the Christian church needs to uh, take for that happening within uh, the, uh, the, uh, the confines of, of churches and the institutions run by those churches. So a very significant issue, and we'll be monitoring that along. Let's move on because there's a number of other issues, and we could probably talk about that one for, for quite uh, a long time. But, but let's move on because uh, you're also uh, talking these days, Ashley, about the federal government's proposal to wind back family tax benefits in a way that fails to recognise the unpaid work in the home is valuable. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, changes to family tax benefits? Within secular economic thought at the moment, uh, there's a view that economic activity or economic value can only be attributed by people who are in the workforce earning income and paying taxes. What that fails to do is to recognise that the family is not only the basic unit of society, but is also the basic economic unit of society and that when families uh, are viewed as a whole, whether there's one income, two incomes or more incomes, that the family contributes to the well-being of that unit and contributes economically to society. Uh, what we'd like to see is what we call neutrality in uh, government funding. So, for example, uh, parenting benefits should be paid to parents. Uh, if, uh, if my wife and I made a decision that that we would each earn an income and uh, we might need some childcare, then we can uh, contribute some of those parenting uh, benefits to the cost of that childcare. But if we made a decision that we would earn one income and that uh, either my wife or myself would be at home and provide uh, personally those childcare and other benefits, then we should be uh, no less entitled to uh, receive some recognition that there is a real contribution for the unpaid work, not only housework, but uh, rearing children and caring for children and investing in children. Um, and so that a part of the economic value really needs to be seen um, as uh, not only income and paying taxes, but what's being done in the home as well. Uh 
you know, there seems to be a, a sense in which the value of humanity comes into question here again because you have governments uh, that think of people as units who are revenue generators in a society and therefore uh, tax revenue generators uh, for a country to run economically. Uh, if you leave out the humanity, the value of the individual human being, uh, then somehow or other, that's, that's all you get left with, isn't it? Uh, people who are just units of society. There, there needs to be a, a, perhaps a focus on the humanity of individuals, the value of being a person. Uh, not only the value of people, but the value of the contributions that we each make. Um, one of the things that many of your listeners will have dealt with uh, in recent decades is just how harder and harder it is for voluntary organisations to find lots of volunteers. Uh, whether it's the PNC, whether it's the, uh, the church catering group, whether it's uh, people who clean the church premises or people who serve on active neighbourhood watch committees, we're finding that uh, because of the, the pressure of seeing our value as being how much income we can generate and how many taxes we can pay, there's increasing pressure for, uh, for men and women to, to, to work harder and harder and longer and longer without seeing that there is value in who you are as a human and the contribution you make to society. I guess there's also what flows on from that is this whole materialism focus that we can all have as individuals because if we are a materialistic individual we're also going to be just looking at the the economic benefit of uh, having a better job earning more money uh, buying the better car uh, earning enough uh, to to be, to buy the bigger house uh, there's there's a sort of a, a pathway a trajectory that leads you to a a sort of a meaninglessness when you're only looking at a materialism for your own life. I imagine that that's something that each individual has to look at themselves and say, well, who am I uh, in relation to uh, the people who are around me and in relation to God? Without a doubt. I remember some years ago when I was studying at Theological College, I came across a book, and in this book I read something that went along these lines, that whereas the world says he who has the most toys wins, the reality is that he who has the most toys still dies. And uh, we are not uh, what we possess. We are not uh, what we buy. We are valued because we're made in the image of the Creator God. Another issue to pick up on, and sometimes we make a, a contrast between people who have a conservative ideology, uh, and usually people falling on the uh, conservative uh, liberal national perhaps uh, side of politics and uh, there's the other side uh, which sometimes are referred to as progressives and and progressive sounds like a, a bit of a buzzword that it's good to get on that bandwagon because hey you want to keep up with uh, you know the latest trends but uh, you've had some thoughts about progressives and and the way that progressives don't always meet the expectation of what you think that word might mean. Uh, I have, Neil, and uh, I have adopted the word regressive uh, because I think that so much of what uh, that agenda is on about is actually um, bad for society, bad for individuals, bad for families, uh, bad for, for, for all of us as we live together. And uh, I think uh, we need to call things for what they are. And um, part of the agenda of the so-called progressives is to try and use language in a way that they take the high moral ground. And I think it's important for there to be not only um, a joining of the debate 
at a detail level, but even at a language level, and uh, to recognise in our minds that what those agendas are really all about is bad for society, that it's regressive, sending us um, backwards in a place to where we don't need to go. So some of the issues where this applies, imagine when we're talking about the marriage debate, uh, people have been debating the Safe Schools Coalition program, uh, people have been talking about abortion and euthanasia. Uh, People who call themselves progressives are typically uh, trying to push the barrow on all of those sorts of issues. Uh, And the way that they take that high moral ground, as you say, is that uh, they, they try to intimidate the uh, the opposition to that, the conservatives who are saying, hang on, that's not a way to go. And this intimidation actually is the way to uh, to shut down and to to produce your own point of view. Uh, yeah, and um, and part of the agenda is to silence debate, is to intimidate people. Uh, over the, the last couple of years in particular, I've had conversations with ordinary Christian men and women who increasingly say, I, I don't know how to stand up in my community and call myself a Christian anymore because uh, as soon as that happens, I'm labelled. I'm labelled as um, a, a right-winger. I'm labelled as a, an extremist. I'm labelled as a fundamentalist. I'm labelled as a homophobe or whatever. And uh, we need to encourage people that there's actually something valuable about the word conservative because there are things that are worth conserving. And, um, and that's not a label that uh, should be shunned. It should be declared proudly that we are conservative because we believe in things that are very much worth conserving for the good of society. Uh, There's lots of things to talk about and we'll develop some of these issues, no doubt, uh, in the weeks ahead. Ashley Saunders, who is the National Director of Family Voice Australia, the website for Family Voice is fava.org.au. Ashley Saunders, great getting your insights. Thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today here on 2020. Uh, You're welcome. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.